0: Welcome to The Sending Space. We've been talking through uh, over the last few episodes here what it means to live as a gospel community, and recently we're getting down to um, three spheres, three spaces that we're trying to uh, make sure fit into our lives together. So there is the public space, there's the social space, and there's the sacred space. And in this episode, we're going to focus on that concept of social space and how it ties together. Um, so first, I'm just going to ask Ryan to kind of tie this back into the the th- the rings, the love um, three three love rings, and kind of how they fit together, and how it hits this concept of social space.
1: Yeah. So if you think of the three rings, uh, the ring of one another, uh, inherently, it means that you are identifying with people around something. So. In a secular sense, like the one another might be like, hey, we're all Niners fans. Hey, we're all Giants fans. Hey, we're all Dodgers fans, you know, and then all the Dodgers fans hate the Giants fans, and those are all the others. And so the sense is what makes a one another, what makes a fellow person, is that you like bind around something. And so um, you share something that you like love together or that you identify with. Um, And so. Obviously, in the church, we're we're talking about the one and others as those who have Jesus as the center, and and so so in our social spaces, this is where we begin to see the church really take shape in the public space. Uh, this is the church on mission, and sometimes the public space can be isolating because you may be the only. Believer in your workplace, or the only believer on your kid's soccer team, or um, you may not know where other people, what other people believe. In the social space, when you're inviting people into your home or into your gospel community, when you're starting to spend time around the table together, that's where you're starting to bond around what you have in common, and and you're wanting to shift the focus off of just the superficial things, like we all gather around the table because our kids all play soccer, to we all gather around the table um, because because of jesus and now that's going to mean different things for different people and uh different ways of being uh in each of your social spaces but it, that is the concept and the goal and what i think biblically like it just always brings to mind the story of the prodigal son with the son who's ran away and the the pharisaical brother or is just representing the pharisees the older brother who uh stayed home and then the father the father is so desperate to get the younger son and the older brother together at the table to celebrate. And so the thing that binds those brothers together is their father and and they're belonging to that family. And they're refusing to see their belonging to that family because of their own issues. I, in fact, I think the younger brother, is he's, he doesn't think he belongs to the family because of all the bad things he's done. And the older brother doesn't think that his younger brother belongs to the family because of all the bad things he's done. And so, but all the while the father's saying, no, 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 you belong. We all belong at this table together despite the lives we live and the things we've done. Um, and so in our social spaces, we're trying to create environments of belonging uh, and, and move that belonging away from affinity, which is we all have kids the same age, or we all live in this area in Rockland or Roseville or Loomis or Lincoln or someplace. And we're moving it closer and closer to Jesus being the reason why we gather, but different than a sacred space. It doesn't mean we're opening up our Bibles all the time um, to make Jesus the center. In fact, uh, uh, that's why I love the picture of the early church is that it isn't just a picture of a Bible study. Uh, it's a picture of breaking bread together, of giving thanks together, of praying together, of, um, of uh, people being added to their numbers together. And sure, they're going over the apostles' teaching. That's part of it. But it, it has a sense of uh, friendship and community. And, and, um, and so it just feels so much more of a way of being than it is um, a way of learning.
0: For, for me it was a big deal to sort of reframe the concept of ministry uh, from a programmatic thing from a, a thing that happens in the church or with church leadership um, something you sign up for and take part in and reframe it around ministry is the table like when we think of ministry we think of a table and uh, and and you've said like we can do that we can think of that metaphorically like think of a metaphorical table on what it looks looks like. But actually, as much as possible to think a literal table and to say ministry happens when we are sitting together around a table with a meal and, and we're sharing that. And I think for me, what that does is it reframes the way the, the types of interactions that we're going for, mm-hmm. um, because so much of my church experience has been um, we only interact when we're, we're sitting around and there's Bibles opened and we are talking about the actual Bible, Obviously, that's an amazing thing, but that has been um, almost every church interaction for most of my life. Has been that type of setting. The Bible's open. We are talking about the Bible, and reframing it as a meal for me, um, it it changes. What what are we What are we celebrating? I think the Bible still flows like like Jesus is still central in all of it. And and what I learn from the scriptures shapes who I am and the things that I talk about and the way that I talk. Um, but it it changes the focus from Um, from talking about content to now I'm looking other people in the eye. We're sharing a thing together. Um, We're celebrating life together. Um, It just makes us for a different type of interaction. Totally. And I think, you know, I've heard uh, over this last
1: year, people have some hesitations with gospel communities because they say, well, that, that time, that Bible study, that learning, that discussion centered around the Bible is so critical and so vital, and and I need it and I miss it when I'm in you know and and so are we advocating that we don't need that anymore? And my answer is no, 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 not at all. There is always a space to be learning directly from the words of Jesus and to be kind of exhorting one another in the word in a very direct and you know explicit way. But that's what sacred spaces are, and what the church isn't necessarily good at is 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 loving one another in in the way that we be and and eat and and enjoy one another and that's where belonging i think comes in um and so so sacred spaces we'll get to that and that is where there's digging into the word and learning of new things and talking and challenging um but but the social space is intended uh to give you a totally different uh, different feel you know um I mean, think about it. I would I would guess that most of you have been in a Bible study before. And there's a certain feeling that you have when you're in a Bible study. And, and some of it is really good. If it's a really good Bible study, you're talking about what's going on in your life. Uh, you're applying the Scripture to your life. Um, and it's very much centered on real living and the application of Scripture. If you're in a bad Bible study, sometimes it can feel... Uh, like it literally is no different than a college class or your are your, um, like a reading of a book or learning of mathematical equations. You can get more stimulated by the intellectual exercise and by the discovery of new knowledge than you really are about what it means to you. I think that's a bad Bible study. Um, and we've all been a part of that. I've been, I've led those kinds of things. So it's not even finger pointing. It's, it's being obsessed with the intellect and the idea rather than being about, the implications for me as a, as a human being. But if you think about how you feel when you're a Bible study, and then you pause that and you think about the last great dinner you had with friends, um, what is the difference between those two environments and how do they feel different? What do, what makes a great dinner with some good friends feel so good and what makes even the best Bible study feel so good. And I think the best Bible study feels good because you have these aha moments of like, oh, I see this and oh, that impacts me and oh, that truth is changing me. Um, But the best dinners with friends feel good because like you tell a joke and other people laugh or you share a story and people cry with you or uh, you, you are celebrating things together. You're uh, enjoying pleasures together, like good food, and you're remembering times you've spent together. And all of that is all over the Bible as like an, a great and amazing way to be. I mean, so much of what we're called to do is rejoice and give thanks to God for who He is. So we should be practicing those, those elements of rejoicing and celebrating, giving thanks and Um, And then also, uh, in some way, confessing, you know, at a good good dinner party or a good time when I'm sitting with people, the best is when people are saying, this isn't what's going well in my life. Things aren't going well, and I could really use you guys as support here. And and you talk about that around a meal uh, in a way that connects you in a whole different sense. So to me, I see... Uh, Bible studies may or may not make you feel like you belong. Sometimes you can feel really lonely in a Bible study and still be getting a lot out of it. But a table is always intended to be a place where people belong. And, and when they don't belong, you know it. You feel it at the table. You feel like the one who no one's laughing at your joke and no one's interested in your stories. And uh, you have really nothing to contribute to the conversation. And that's a, a yucky feeling. And so social spaces are intended to... F- to be a place of belonging like a good like a good table would be um and so i guess mark how you guys have been doing this in your gospel community how have you guys tried to make your gospel community a place of belonging
0: right yeah because part of it for me is is even just tying into what you're saying there is like um the difference between a bible study and a and a meal is like who's um who's like leading the thing or how does the leadership happen in it And when it's a Bible study, you usually have a person that's kind of driving the conversation along and deciding what's going to happen. One of the things I love with our social spaces is we um, we're together, and it's less of me as a leader saying, okay, we're going to do this, now we're going to do that, time to shift and talk about this thing. And we're really, like even the meal itself is, we do it potluck style. And so literally the meal itself, everybody brought a piece of it, and we're sharing it together. And uh, what happens for us in those social gatherings is, there's no big agenda, but we, you know, we talk about it beforehand and everything, and just say, hey, we're we're here to get to know each other. We're here to love each other well. Um, find out how to pray for each other. Find out what's going well. And so, at our best, our social gatherings are just us in, in different pockets, and, and we have a lot of young kids in our group, and so they're running around, and we're kind of all keeping an eye on that side of things too. But um, but we're we're just we're together in different in different configurations, and it changes throughout the course of the night as we eat and some of us are standing, some of us are sitting and, but we're, but but I'll have to say, so it, it, it really depends on what each person brings to the thing. And it it depends on the questions that each person is going to ask of someone else or what they're going to talk about. And sometimes it does look like talking about sports or whatever, which is perfectly fine. Um, But what I found is that often that just changing that setting, um, you might think that getting away from the actual Bible study means we're going to have a non-spiritual night, Um, But what I have found often is that in stepping away, looking at, looking the other people in the eye and focusing on the people that are there, um, it just, it so often lends itself to having some really spiritual, really impactful conversations where, um, you know, something comes up, like a a hurt in their life or, or even some, like we've seen it with, with non-believers too, where they just share something about an experience they've had with the church or with Jesus or something. And. It just invites a conversation. They're on the spot. We're free to talk about that thing because we've, we have no agenda for the night other than the people who are there. And, um, and so the, the ministry sometimes that I've experienced in those settings, because we've just given people a space to be and to belong, um, it invites us into some really natural, great ministry um, where we just feel like we, we make some progress with people yeah, in terms of good. knowing them, loving them and just facilitating them to make a connection with the Lord.
1: Yeah, that's good. We, you know, this whole experience of Gospel Communities has been a growing experience for our group, and we've tried different things. And as we sat down this year and just talked about what went well last year and what didn't, what would we like to see changed, uh, I think last year our social spaces tended to be primarily social only in that we would hang out, we'd eat food, Uh, We'd have conversations. Sometimes it was deep, sometimes it wasn't. And it was enjoyable. uh, But I think everyone in our group felt like that it was possible to up social spaces um, to be even more intentionally spiritual, uh, but also uh, use the rubric of if one of our friends came to this, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be weird. It would just be like actually unique in like a intriguing way. So we started talking through like, what is it that we can do to make our social space intentionally spiritual, but not necessarily a Bible study or a formal discussion. And so there's, uh, so some of the things I've been thinking through is, okay, well, in the early church, when they talked about the, them breaking bread together and giving thanks, um, Just how do we, as a group, when we eat together, take a time to give some thanks for the things that are going on in our life? And that is like a a rhythm of praise that's really like, super undervalued, I think, in, in our world or culture of being grateful for what uh, God has done. And I think anyone walking in hearing people being thankful for things in their lives is not going to be offended by that or even weirdly off put by that. In fact, my feeling is that most of them would probably join right in. uh, and they may just may or may not thank God for it, but just be thankful. Um, and then we started thinking about, well, how can we talk about people in our community that need to be blessed, you know, and cared for. And so, like, in a good example is there's a woman at our kid's school who's going through, she just got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, and she's going through chemotherapy. And so in that space, we can talk and pray for her immediately there, Mm -hmm. but also share that with each other um, and be looking out for ways to help her. But also just even in the sharing of intimate, real things that are going on um, in people's lives around a table, all of a sudden, ups the level of uh, of the conversation from, you might go to any social party or Halloween party in your community, and you'll talk about sports and the weather and all of that. Again, there's nothing wrong with it, but, but I think the people of God have even more uh, real things to talk about. But it does take a little bit of scripting because I think we all default to uh, a little bit shallower conversation, it's easier, uh, and so some of the prompting is how do we get our conversations to talk about normal natural things but but real things deep things things that matter things that bring about praise or or confession or contrition or you know just the that the things that exist um kind of in the everyday life without even necessarily opening up our bibles it might bring bible verses to mind we might read maybe one verse before we get into discussing, but, but it's more centered around the the habits, the practices, the rhythms of, of being the people of God, you know? Um, so that's a change for us and a little bit of a fail, I think last year. Uh, but I'm looking forward
0: to seeing how this year goes with those sorts of changes. That's a really good, um, a good like factor with it. I, so Hugh Halter talks about this concept that often belonging leads to believing. Uh, so often we do it like, believe, then you can belong. Um, So come, come believe the same things I do, then you can be part of our group. Um, But we're kind of with this social space concept going a little more the other direction, or at least opening up a second direction for it, which is there's a space for you to belong. And, and that may lead to believing. And, um, and what I, what I think about that is it's, it's good. I think that's one of the most compelling things about the church is is the type of community that we have to offer. And I think because of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, because of how the spirit binds us together, there is something compelling about the Christian community being together and, um, and just like loving each other well. Um, but, but giving place people a place to belong doesn't have to mean that it's not spiritual. Like, I think, I think that would be a mistake if we say, okay, we need to make sure people feel comfortable here. Therefore we never do anything spiritual. Like, I don't think that's the point. Um, but I do think, I think it's a decent rubric to say, like, it, how do you feel about inviting? So, so you, you get to know somebody in the public sphere and you're, you're getting to know them better and you're ready to invite them into a social gathering and you have to weigh what's the best place to do that, maybe going to lunch or whatever. But if you do want to bring them into a group, into a social space sort of gathering, um, would you feel awkward doing that? Like, like is, is there something weird about your space where you're like, I don't think someone who doesn't know Jesus would feel comfortable here? I think that's a great question to ask and make sure you're being sensitive to the needs of the people that you're befriending and inviting in. But I think another question that needs to go right along with that is if there's something weird that would make it odd for someone who doesn't know Jesus well to feel comfortable here, should we change that thing? Right. Is there something that's weird for no reason? Like, and, and sure. I mean, Jesus is weird. Right. And, uh, and you know, communion on a certain level is weird and all those kinds of things. Like there's things that are odd about it, but are, are the oddities more like just weird Christian culture things that we do that someone has to know the rules before they can participate? Right. Or is it natural spiritual things? Um, one thing I love, like Dave Rhodes has said, um, he talks about how uh, in some of his gatherings he does, um, pra- they practice highs and lows. And so they just say, hey, what's highs and lows of your week? And maybe that's the whole group sharing or maybe it's kind of individuals as you're going around. But he says basically that's a way of practicing thanksgiving and confession. Um, as you talk about highs, what went well, and you're thanking God for that or just speaking as a, as a good thing, as a thanksgiving kind of a thing with lows and saying like here's, you know, confessing. confessing failures or just things that I'm, I'm anxious about or whatever. And, um, and, and so I think some of that is just demystifying the language of it. Yeah. And you're taking away some of the oddities of like, you don't have to know the deep aspects of like Christian theology to know like right. the terminology, but it doesn't strip those things of their power because yeah. it is very confession and Thanksgiving have this power because God is working through that. Um, and so some of it's just saying, how do we how do we just shape our gatherings and fit the rhythms of it in a way that yeah. um, keeps the power but gets rid of rid of some of the weird um, boundary marker things that we have? Totally.
1: Yeah, and I, what's so hard about uh, and this is why I think gospel communities have a certain degree of freedom and responsibility for their own groups, um, and it takes some discernment and Holy Spirit and discussing together some of these things because. There are things that we do that are weird that we would never really see. Uh, And Mm -hmm. then on the flip side, there are things that we're afraid to do in front of people because we think they're going to think they're weird, like pray in front of people or read a psalm in front of people or even take communion in front of people and we'll think, well, what are they going to think of it? And sometimes it's unnecessary angst. And I've just noticed people are a lot cooler uh, then sometimes we give them credit for yeah. and less judgy than we think that they are. I just try to, what helps me with this is I try to think through uh, the, the lens of um, how would I feel if, if someone that I'm getting to know uh, at our kids' school, you know, an Indian family and they're Hindu and they invite us over to their house and then they say a blessing over the meal. Am I going to think, "Oh my goodness, this is so weird and awkward," or am I just going to go, "Oh, it's cool to see w- what they believe and right. what they do." Most people are willing to stand out; they don't feel, unless you make them feel obligated. It would be weird if the if the um, you know Hindu family looked at me and said, "Could you lead our Hindu blessing?" I would be like, uh, I, uh, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what you want from me." Right. Well, that's weird. But observing, being a part of. Things uh, being free to participate when I want to. If they all went around the family and they said, "Part of our Hindu tradition is saying things that we're grateful for," could I participate in that? Of course I could. Yeah. As a follower of Jesus, that not worshiping some false god. I'm just participating in what they're doing. So if I try to put myself in the shoes of people who are walking into my house, I have to think there are some things that they will be unfamiliar with. But just because they're unfamiliar with them, doesn't mean I have to be afraid. Uh, or ashamed of them or think that they're going to be weirded out by them. And then there's other things that I do that I don't even realize how weird they are. And I need to just, we need to like use our lens to think, okay, is this bizarre? Like, would this be bizarre for somebody? And is there a way to make it more normal in the way we talk about it? Um, it, Rather than something that is very Christian-y or, you know, um, comes with a lot of like, I don't know, religious overtones unnecessarily, you know, or something. So it just needs the discernment of the Spirit discussion together as a group. I think that's why the body of Christ is so great, because some people are really, really worried about what people might think, and other people are not as worried. And when you talk about it as a group, I think you start to develop a culture that that maybe is a little bit
0: um, more where it needs to be in there, you know. So as we just look at our gospel community approach, um, I think it's important to say, too, that there's we've been saying there's a lot of flexibility with this and so it's not about saying you have to have social gatherings you know every week or something like that right like Ryan your group does it once a month Mm -hmm. Uh, my group does it twice a month Um, and and outside of that we both have sacred spaces which we'll talk about next time um, that run regularly as well. So it, it really isn't about the frequency, but I would say it's important to make sure that this is a rhythm. Like just as we're again using these these spaces as a diagnostic, it's just saying, um, it, is there time where I'm just sharing a meal with other people and, and being a blessing to each other? And if that's missing, then, uh, then it's something to kind of beef up a little bit. But, yeah. but it's about having the rhythm there. It's about having it present and whatever frequency that needs to be for you, um, for for some people, every week is crazy. For some people, every week sounds exactly right, and yeah. it just it just comes down to what's working for you and for your group. And I
1: would say the only caveat I give to that is so much freedom in what they look like and what works for your group, but also realizing a little bit of like lessons learned for us is uh, last year we had it was so organic. That it was always kind of different for us when we would end up meeting. We were trying to find times that would work for all of us, and it just ended up being way more cumbersome than having a schedule. So the the amount of frequency is imp- it, like freedom in the frequency is super important, and freedom in how and what they look like. But I do I would encourage you guys if you're struggling to find attendance be you know, strong or people find that they're busy. One of the big hurdles for us was we weren't scheduled like the first Sunday of every month or every other week we're doing it on these days. So the problem with that, that was people couldn't adjust their schedules uh, or ask for those days off of work or do something to make that, like, to protect that time. And so, anyway, that's just another thing to think about as you're going about the freedom. There's a lot of freedom in what it is, but uh, I think the regular rhythm planned schedule is, is maybe a bit stronger in its um, ability to actually happen, you know, with everybody. You know, so.
0: That's really good. So I think what, what I just leave you with is just to say, um, think through social space gatherings and what does that look like for you? What's most natural for your group, for the people that are around you? And, um, and just constantly just praying through how can we make these a life-giving thing for everybody?
1: Yeah. And I would just say one more thing with that. I want to always end not with ideas and concepts, but with a who. And so last time we talked about who can you be praying for in your public space that you would love to see come to know Jesus or join in your social space. And I would ask you who in your public space now might be ready for an invite into social space that you, that they're just of 10 people you're praying for or 20 people that you're engaging you know who feels like the most ready to to get to know you more and is it your group's social space does it first require some more time spent at your own dinner table or you know um, other social space that you're creating just to uh, get to know this, these families that's up to to you and the discernment of the holy spirit but but i think it's always important to bring this back to a who who is the holy spirit leading me to ask next to join in um, so that we don't make it about ideas.